Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Be joined with my joined by my brother Darren just shortly here. Today on the show, it's Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so to open the show, Darren, I just wanted to talk a little bit about something that you had sent me earlier today, that farmers have been having a lot of problems with crop injury because of early planting, cold weather, cold soils, especially in soybeans. And do you want to bring up what, I mean, where specifically did that come from? Did you have something, some call this morning that triggered you to send something to me today that we needed to talk about that? Well, in Northwest Iowa, there was a a farmer that that had an issue and just took a look at that. Also, what do you have an issue with? And what was the issue? South Central South Dakota this week had another one, just injury. And in from what? One case, it was using authority assist and metribuzin. In another, it was using fierce and uh, metribuzin, I believe, was the other two in that one, or the other ingredient in there. And we just saw excessive injury. Now, normally, we'll see a little bit of splash up and that kind of thing, and it's no big deal, and you may lose a few leaves or lose just a few plants. It's not the end of the world. But in these cases, it was more severe, and we don't see that very often, but in both cases, guys were planting super, super early. And I think there's a lot of information that you hear out on the market, and you hear from different sources, and some people will say, well, you know what, you have to plant beans early to get more yield, and if that's the only thing that you change, oh, okay, all I have to do is change my planting date, you may have some problems if you don't get ideal weather. (laughs) And that's what I wanted to bring up is just like with corn, sometimes guys will say, well, I hear early planted corn always yields better or often yields better, so I'll just plant early, but I'll do it the same way that I do if I plant in the middle of May. Well, that's not going to work for you either. So don't think soybeans are going to be different than corn. Yep, it's just like for guys who say, you know what, I want to reduce erosion, so I'm going to switch to no-till or strip-till, and then they change nothing else in their program. That's a disaster. So, I mean, I agree with you 100%. So let's talk about why we had problems there. Oh, and by the way, let me ask you the first question. Were the guys having stand loss or just the plants showed cosmetic damage? Okay. Stand loss. All right. That's what I figured. All right. So here are, here's what we talk about all the time. We say, oh, oh, one other thing, Brad. Go ahead. In both cases, it was surface applied product. Now, one was before planting, one was after planting. Yep. But they were both surface applied, no tillage. Okay. So here's what our standard recommendation is in soybeans. Use three pre's. And the three pre's we want you to use are a yellow, metribuzin, and a PPO, either Valor or Authority. Not Sharpen, Valor or Authority. And the reason why I say not Sharpen is Sharpen, you can't use a high enough rate, otherwise you'll hurt the beans. And since you can't use a high enough rate, you don't get good residual. So we want Valor or Authority. Uh, neither one of these was the three pre's. Now, there were three modes of action, I agree. They weren't the right three that we talk about all the time. Now, I'm not saying Authority Assist is a bad product, 
But what there is in that is pursuit and a high rate of pursuit. The issue with ALS chemistry, like pursuit, first rate, uh, there are a number of different ALS herbicides. When it's cold and wet, that can cause some problems with plants. Now, if it was just strictly the ALS herbicide, then we usually don't have much of a problem. But when it's ALS herbicide with other things, and then you stack on cold and wet, and maybe there's something else going on that we don't know about, maybe some carryover stuff or whatever, then occasionally we'll see an issue with this. Fierce, kind of the same deal there. We love Fierce. It works great. But the problem that I have with Fierce and with all these group 15 herbicides applied pre-emerge to soybeans is sometimes we see some crop response. Now, it's very, very, very rare. Maybe, I don't know, one in 10,000 where you might see a yield decrease. So that's probably not going to happen to you. And I'll bet you in both of these cases, they don't actually have yield loss. They might have a little bit of stand loss. They might have some cosmetic injury. They probably aren't going to have yield loss. But let's talk about how to fix both of these things. Number one, switch to the three pre's we talk about all the time. Number two, save your group 15 for early post. Now, you can't use fierce early post because it contains valor. But if you're going to use a group 15, if you're going to use an ALS, we like both of those early post for better crop safety. If you want to use these things, so authority assist, with M- with metribuzin or fierce with metribuzin they're both fine used a slightly different way here's how i would do it rather than you mentioned surface applied either right before or right after planting i do neither i would either surface apply it and incorporate it or surface apply it way early if you sur- surface apply it two to four weeks in advance, you will not have near the crop injury. And the reason why is because there's much more time for that herbicide to filter down through the ground so you don't have a super high concentration right at the soil surface or getting into the plant as it's about to uh, get to the soil surface. So that's how you can make both of those products or both of those combinations even safer. Either incorporate or put them on real early. Any other comments you got on all that, Darren? Well, one of the guys was going to replant, Brian. So, yes, he definitely had oh, bad enough wow. injury that it was going well, to be... Well, that would be very yeah. unusual. Yeah, it, it was really, really unusual. And I actually uh, had a, a chemistry rep in the field, and he said that was only the third time he'd ever seen it in his career. So that was that was pretty unusual, but, but it happened. And so we just have to be prepared for those things. If we're changing one thing in our operation, we just have to check and see how that's going to impact other things. Yep, absolutely. All right, again, it is Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. We'll get to more of our AG-PHD mailbag time a little bit later in the show as well. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, with your questions. Really be happy to answer those. Getting a lot of those questions in already today, uh, so we'll be getting to those shortly. But first, we're going to get back to the phone lines. We'll do that right after this break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. 
When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Oh, my goodness. Did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm, like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo. And it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. I am Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. We're going to go right to the phone lines. we got Cameron calling in from Virginia. Cameron, how are you today? Doing great. How are you getting along? Excellent. So I heard you had a late frost on your farm this year. Yes, we did. We had a frost May the 7th, and it fried about 400 acres of corn and ended up having to plant about 150 acres over. Oh, wow. So that was kind of unfortunate. Uh, I assume it's quite rare when a May 7th frost hits you guys that hard? Yes. I was talking to my father, who's uh, 82, and he said he recalls one other time in the late 90s when it happened, and that was in May. But it seems like once every 25, 30 years we have something like this, but it's very rare to have a frost that late here. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So the corn got hit. You had to do some replanting there. Beans looked okay, though. Yes, sir. We had not, luckily, we had not planted uh, very few beans by that time. They weren't even up, so it didn't affect the beans. And we've had decent rainfall since then. It's warmed up to normal Virginia June weather. Been in the mid-80s, low-90s, and had good moisture. So everything's, as far as beans, coming on pretty good. The corn... I'd say is at least two weeks behind. We're just now top dressing it, and usually we do that the first week of June, and here it is the third week of June, and just about to get finished up with that. But uh, the beans look great. I think beans are off to a real good start this year. Um, anything in particular that you did to get those beans off to maybe a better start than normal? Um, Like I said, we it was fortunate for us. Some of my neighbors had planted a little bit early and they had some issues with frost damage and ended up having to replant. But I think the key this year for us was just luck of the draw that we uh, ended up planting a little bit later than normal and just hit it right. It had been cool all spring. So my father and I were talking about that we probably should just hold off planting the beans until the weather warmed up a little bit. And it definitely paid off this year. And I don't know, uh, we are hundred percent no till. So I don't know that, um, any of the cultural practices we did help or hurt 
one way or the other, but I think just, like I said, luck of the draw and plant a little bit later than normal worked out best this year for the soybeans. Now, Cameron, I hate to even ask you this question, but those weren't by chance dicamba beans, were they? <laughs> yes, they were. Yes, they were. That's kind of a sore subject. Yep. Uh, That's why I hate to even bring it up, but uh, let me just ask you this. Let's let's set that aside for a minute. Let's talk about 2021. Are you thinking you're going to go enlist beans? Would you plant extend beans if dicamba does happen to get labeled again for 2021? What are your initial thoughts on that? I like the uh, Extendamax program or the Ingenia program. Um, yep. I think it's a good tool to have in your toolbox to control some of these tougher weeds. We're having a lot of trouble with mare's tail in this particular part of the country and sure. getting some lambs quarter too that seems to be harder to control. And that package has worked great on those two problem weeds. So, yes, if we have the Extendamax or Extend beans available next year, um, I would definitely be willing to plant them i think that's where your best genetics are now and also i talked to my retailer and they are pushing the enlist beans uh, as long as we can yeah. keep enlist around i've heard rumors that enlist may be going the same route as the extend beans so i hope that doesn't happen but uh, we shall see yeah we'll i'm with you cool. too yeah what happened is that same group that won the dicamba lawsuit they have sued the epa and most of that had to do with um, with endangered species, which I just, I don't know, I just kind of shake my head. Not a lot of endangered species out in my corn and bean fields. But anyway, they're, they're, no. they're suing in, for Enlist Duo. So it would have nothing to do with Enlist Ones. You'd still get to spray Enlist okay. on those beans. And certainly you'd still get to spray Liberty on those beans and Roundup on those beans. So yeah, the Enlist is a nice option. Right. That's why I'm just, I, I've been asking a lot of farmers, you know, what are your thoughts going into next year? And obviously we don't have all the answers right now. And a lot of people like myself, I mean, we're kind of emotional about this whole dicamba deal so hopefully everything uh sorts itself out in the future and uh and and it gets better but uh, anyway cameron wanted to thank you a lot for calling in today and wish you the best of luck here this summer yes sir i appreciate it i hope everything goes well with you and y'all stay safe out there and avoid the virus just running around <laughs> all right well hey thanks a lot cameron appreciate it let's go to chris now in iowa hey chris how's it going today Oh, not too bad. Uh, it's just starting to rain a little. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, what is happening on your farm there in Iowa? I mean, what, what are you? have you been spraying beans? Are you doing any side dressing of corn? What's what's happening around you? Uh, we just kind of got caught up uh, a couple days ago. We've got our side dress on corn done and uh, first pass of beans and stuff. We're actually in a really good place. It's been pretty dry, and we could actually use this little bit of rain here, so... Yeah, we were getting 30, 35 mile an hour winds for a week straight. So we got just not much behind, but we, I mean, we got like a day or two behind on our beans. So just trying to get that wrapped up now ourselves. Uh, let me ask you quick, you mentioned side dress is done. How do you decide decide how much more nitrogen to put on when you side dress? Uh, so we used to do a flat rate. Um, we just run another... Yep. Uh, 50 pounds of actual nitrogen over the top with dry urea. We run a or spreader with a dry box. And then uh, for the last four or five years, we've been testing uh, the Encircla variable rate kind of system yep. with their uh, calculator and, you know, predictive modeling and yep. stuff like that. And this year we had uh, finally decided to go 
full in with that because we've been really happy with the trials that we did. And so now we're running a variable rate based on that. Okay, so let me ask you, how much did your rate vary? Did you go all the way down to zero? Did you go up to 100 pounds, 150? Well, how big was your variance? Uh, so uh, of pounds of nitrogen, the lowest uh, that I got to was about, oh, 35 or 40. Or no, 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 pounds of urea, the lowest I got to was 35 or 40. Yep. And the highest I ever saw was just shy of 200. Yeah, so that's a big, big difference. So you said you've been testing this for a couple of years. What did you see there? I mean, compared, did you do stuff side by side with your blanket 50 pounds? Or, I mean, how how did you compare it? How did you evaluate it? Yeah, so uh, we'd strip uh, as much of a field as we could. Yep. And kind of use that as a factor. And, I mean, we'd have... Some years that we'd put more on and get a better year. We had years that we'd put less on and get the same yield, which I'm honestly equally happy with. And just Absolutely. Uh, things like that uh, that we've seen, and it always seemed to work out that it either helped or saved us a little bit of money or we saw that yield boost. And uh, we had done enough years of trials that we just decided that we were really happy with that program. Yeah, the variable rate thing has really changed a lot of what all of us do on the farm and, quite frankly, changed it for the better. Because we, as farmers, we've known for a long time, hey, our yield's going to vary a little bit through the field, but how do we change that nitrogen rate? How do we test everything else? So it's good with some of these systems that are out there today. Uh, you said you were caught up on bean spraying. Did you have dicamba beans or did you have enlist beans or what did you have this year? Uh, we run enlist beans. Uh, we we go grow beans for uh, steins. And yep. so we're, uh, this year's our first year. We're all E3s. Uh, we got on the, the Liberty, uh, set up really early because of that. And so we just kind of go with what, uh, they want to a certain extent. And, uh, we've been really happy with the enlist program. So you did Liberty first. You didn't do any enlist, any of the two four D. Uh, no, we, we like, uh, I mean, like nine years ago. We've oh, been yeah, beans. Yeah, the Liberty Beans, gotcha. Probably 10 years, and then now we're uh, switching over to a list and stuff. So we've been, on our beans, we've been kind of off a Roundup program for quite a while. Yeah, yep. So on this first pass here, did you spray that new Enlist 1 or Enlist Duo, or did you use Liberty, or, or what kind of herbicide combo did you go with? Um, we did an enlist, uh, glyphosate mix. We just uh, yeah. tank mixed it ourselves. We didn't buy the premix. Yep. So. Yep. We did the exact same thing on our farm. Are you going to go Liberty later? Or are you going to do that same mix that you did the first time later? Or, I mean, if weeds come back, do you, have you decided what you might do? Well, uh, if they come back, we'll probably, uh, go back with a similar program. It kind of depends yeah. on what we got. Yep. Um, if it's a lot of water hemp, if it's pretty small, we might just run a hard shot of Liberty. We've always had sure. good luck with that or um, some straight enlist if we don't need the extra roundup. But we got a few fields that get some woolly cup and things like that. So yeah. we'll Liberty. probably still have some roundup in if we go back in. Yeah, Liberty's pretty good on woolly cup too. So yeah, it's just nice to have some options, isn't it? Well, hey, Chris, we got to run. I just thank you a lot for calling in. Best of luck to you out there. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. 
Vellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco Vilify and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco Vilify and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Endzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. Hot spots and moisture in your bin can cost you thousands in lost revenue. The Endzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans exactly when you want them to, naturally bringing your grain to ideal temperature and humidity. Master bin management with the Endzone. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. Sound the foghorn because there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Froghorn fungicide from UPL. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, talk to your retailer or UPL sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. It's a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to get back to phone lines right now. we got Gabe calling in from Missouri. Hey, Gabe, how are you today? Hey, doing good. How are you doing, Brian? Excellent. So what's happening on your farm right now? Well, we are all two-thirds, three-quarters done with our winter wheat and uh, planting well we're done with our early beans and of course going back with our wheat beans and uh, the rice we're bringing it to a flood so lots lots going on for sure (laughs) yeah sounds like you're busy so this winter wheat that you're harvesting how is yield turning out 
you know, the quality's been really good. Tethway's been great. Uh, we had, obviously, we had a wet winter and wet early spring where the wheat didn't, you know, where it didn't get hurt by the water. It's been really good, really good. Yeah, good. Uh, of course, where the water hurt, it, it's not as good. Now, let me ask you about that water thing. Is that uh, because of a river going out of its banks, or is that just you had too much rain and there's no tile in the ground? Well, there's no tile in yep. where we are. It's just all graded ground. Yep. And, uh, but I take that back, not all of it, but just we had, you know, wheat and fields that, need, sure. that had low spots or whatever, but yeah. we just had too much rain. The river's not an issue. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean it's kind of two separate things. We we've had, we last year we had the river next to us go out of its banks twice, and I, I mean yeah. it it doesn't happen very often when it even comes out once, but it happened in the spring and the fall, so it was a disaster for us on that that river bottom ground. But anyway, uh, tell us about the rice a little bit. What's happening with the rice right now? Oh, it's six eight inches tall, and uh, we just put our uh, first shot of fertilizer on it, uh, and we're going to bring it to a flood. Uh, and it'll it'll take off, and we'll keep water on it three or four inches deep or so from now till September, probably. Okay, so here's one of the things for a lot of us farmers in the north. You know, we think about, boy, the last thing we want to have is put fertilizer on, like you are just talking about, and then have all kinds of water out there to the point where, I mean, literally you're flooding the fields. So how does that work when you've got fertilizer out there that you're trying to get into those plants? How long before you flood that do you have to get the fertilizer out? And, I mean, do you have any kind of tips or guidelines for us on how we avoid losing that fertilizer? Well, it, it, you make a good point. It, it doesn't make sense when you go out there and spread fertilizer <laughs> and then you go out there and flood it. If you got a rain, you know, your, your water is going to wash on off. But but we're throwing up levees, and uh, we're keeping the water in the field. Yeah. So our fertilizer stays there. Um, but like I say, it doesn't. It doesn't. It goes against logic, you know. <laughs> so, but but there's a, there's a lot to rice and levees and gates, and uh, it just sometimes be glad that you don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so more basic information about rice here, but I mean, how long are you leaving all that water on? How long is it flooded? Uh, well, I'm like I said, once we get the right the water on it, well, we've got gates to kind of keep the water level where we want it. Yep. And I mean, that'll stay on there all all summer. Uh, I know it. The water's for keeping weeds down right but rice uses a lot of water too it sure does i mean it probably uses just as much as corn if not more sure yep so it's i a shallow rooted crop yeah yep uh i haven't paid attention lately here to the rice market how how is the rice market today for you it was on fire for old crop about a week ago or it, it, about a week ago, it, it broke, but it got up to twenty three dollars a hundred weight, and uh, rice is forty five pounds per bushel, so that was over ten dollars a bushel for old crop, which is it's comparative to corn as far as inputs. Sure. Um, so, and you, something else, your worse corn ground makes the best rice. You know, some heavy, heavy gumbo we call it, or heavy clay yep. that makes yep. your best rice, and it it wouldn't make a good corn crop most years you know especially on a wet year yep 
Well, uh, as you say that, uh, I, I can think of a couple fields that maybe I should be turning to rice or something because it's not very good for corn. But well, anyway. yeah, it, it's good and bad. There's no doubt. I, I I don't like rice most of the year, except till it's over and you know when it's out. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Gabe, thanks a lot for calling in today, and good luck to you down there this summer. Hope it all turns out great for you. Hey, thank you. You bet. Thanks a lot. Let's go next to Scott out in Montana. Hey, Scott, what's happening on your farm right now? Hey, how's it going today, Brian? Going great. So I'm good. Oh, we've been getting pretty decent moisture out here, but it's not been too much, so I'd say we're sitting good on on rain. Good. We're uh, uh, working on our working on our second pass of Kim Fallow and uh, getting ready to start haying here any day. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what what crops do you have in this year? So you got some acres to Kim Fallow. Yep, about 30% on our chem fallow of the acres. And then yep. winter wheat, spring wheat, peas, lentils, and uh, some dryland corn and hay. <laughs> you like keeping busy all the time. That's a that's a bunch of crops. You know, it. my dad was originally from north-central Iowa, and we farmed just across the border from Iowa and Minnesota here in South Dakota. And it's predominantly been corn and soybeans. I mean, we raise a little bit of some other stuff, but pretty much corn and soybeans. I got to be honest, it's pretty easy when you only raise two crops. <laughs> when you're trying to raise <laughs> that many crops and you got all this stuff going on, how do you keep it all straight? Uh, it's a challenge a lot of times. you got to figure out which is most important to take care of that day and yeah. just focus on it and try not to get overwhelmed. Yep. So what's been the biggest focus, let's say, just in the last few days? So which of these crops have you spent your time on? Uh, we just sprayed our lentils and then our corn, and and that's what we've done the last couple of days, and then we're going to start this second pass of chem fallow. Sure. But we've we've got all the crops covered now, and and we're working on the fallow. Good. Or crop good. spraying. That's that's all done. Yep. Yep. Good. Uh, so, like the chem fallow. Well, really, quite frankly, all of your ground. What's your worst one or two weeds that you have out there? We struggle a lot with uh, kochia and Russian thistle. Yep. Um, we we have Canadian thistle, which is is in the pasture land and everywhere, but that's. Sure. We can keep that under control, but we, we seems like we always got to spray kochia and Russian thistle. Just they just love to grow out here in this sandy, gray-looking dirt. Yeah, well, we've got plenty of great herbicides in corn and in wheat, but what do you use in peas and lentils to keep the kochia under control? <laughs> well, there's really not anything you can you can do. It's it's more of a pre-plant thing before you plant them. Right, right. Um, we use we use Spartan in the past. Yeah, uh, that's worked all right. Yeah, we have a lot of guys using the yellows uh, like Prowl and uh, and Spartan and stuff because, yeah, post-emerge, that's that's the reason why I asked you. I was going to see if you had some miracle <laughs> cure or maybe you go out and pull them. I don't, I don't know, but, yeah, I often joke with people. I mean, kochia is uh, the, the toughest weed, and it grows when there's, like, no rain, salty soil, anytime. It's just kind of like you said. It always seems to pop up. Well, hey, uh, Scott, we got to get running, but uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it and hope things turn out great for you this summer. Thanks, Brian. Good talking to you, and good luck. You bet. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, we got Jeremy calling in from Minnesota. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Oh, doing pretty good. How about you guys? Great. I hear you got some grass weeds in your soybeans right now. I do, yes. I got some grass coming. Um, we sprayed the pre-emerge. I uh, actually sprayed Sonic pre-emerge, and uh, they were planted like the first and second week of May, but 
basically since the middle of April, I've only gotten about a half inch of rain here in my part of central Minnesota. So sure. <laughs> I'm thinking that probably has something to do with the pre-merge. Probably not, maybe not enough rain for it to get that all working, but. Well, yeah, but, um, I mean, what Sonic is, it's authority and it's first rate, so it's not going to be real strong on grass. So I, I Right, I, and that's yeah. what I was going to ask about that, too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, that's why we talk all the time. I mean, Sonic's a great product and everything. We just like to add a yellow to it or add something else to it. Or you can go early post. I mean, like, right, right now, I mean, just go out and spray some clethodim or something's going to cost you probably $3 an acre. So it, it's not very expensive. Okay. And Yeah, I would spray now and get her done. Right, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. That's why I didn't know if it what would be the best, you know, if we should spray Roundup or, yeah. or like you said, Clethodin to be better or probably cheaper, I would think, huh? Yeah, so a lot of times what guys are going to do is spray Roundup, add some, you know, volunteer corn killer if you have volunteer corn out there. But either way, Roundup, Clethodin, whatever you want to spray, it'd be good and do it now. We'll be right back. Sound the foghorn. Because there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Froghorn fungicide from UPL. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So, get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, talk to your retailer or UPL sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. Revitech Fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus, LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. 
Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you've got a question for us or you'd just like to talk about something going on on your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. So right before the break, we're talking to Jeremy from Minnesota, and I just made the comment, yeah, if you got grass out there, I just get after it. It's so cheap. Roundup's dirt cheap. Uh, you could do something like clethodum, very inexpensive. There are a lot of people that actually mix the two, so that way they are able to control volunteer corn plus all the weeds that Roundup gets. So, I mean, you got lots of options there, all inexpensive. Uh, I, I guess I'll just say this, especially when, uh, Jeremy, had mentioned you hadn't had a lot of rain for quite a long time. Grass pulls a lot of moisture out, and it's pulling it away from your soybeans. So the quicker you can get that done, the better off you are. Yep, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, back to the, I know we've been talking, um, me and Dad have been talking about actually going to the, the three pre's. Like I said, I've been using sure. Sonic for a few years, and the yep. first couple of years is good, but now obviously you've been having more trouble with grass coming later sure um is one of the yellows is that uh yep. part of the three pre's is yep. that one of them I yeah mean, for the residual grass control yep they're fantastic that, are, okay. are you conventional okay. till no till strip till what do you do conventional till okay yep, yeah till. honestly i just go old trifluralin it costs four dollars <laughs> so you add oh, that really? to the, yes you add that to the mix you till it in once you're in good shape yep. and you're going to have your grasses under control pretty much season long i mean the only grass you're going to miss really is volunteer corn or maybe if you had a few perennial grasses or something but yeah it should yep. keep your field quite clean for a really long time and the other nice thing with those yellows they do have activity in a lot of the small seeded broadleaves kochia russian thistle um, a little bit on ragweed, not a lot, lambs quarters, any of the pigweed species. So, I mean, it, it helps okay. the authority because the challenge with the first rate component, when you said uh, Sonic, you've got first rate in there. Well, first rate's ALS, and we got a lot of weeds yep. now getting resistant to the ALS herbicides too. So at least you'd have beyond that authority that's in there, you'd have something else that's at least going to give you some activity on some of those small seeded broadleaves. Right, right. And knock on wood, actually, we so far, we have been only making one pass on soybeans and corn, and good. it's been working really good. So yep, yep. I good. <laughs> would like to keep it that way, too. So For sure. <laughs> but, um, oh, did so, you have a I, – I, uh, our people told me you also had a question yeah. on buckbrush. Yes. Is that too late to spray that, like in tree lines and fence lines, or what? Do you usually, is there something good to spray on that? Or? Okay, now are we are talking buck brush, not buck thorn, correct? Well, <laughs> okay, let's talk. All right, that's well, a good question because I know, yeah, there's, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let's just talk about some weed control in general. Let me, your, yep. your first question was, is it too late? to spray a weed. <laughs> now, you should know that Darren and I are the weed of the week guys, and we're never going to say it's too late. I mean, unless it's frozen, obviously. But you you right. got to do the best you can to prevent weeds from going to seed and reproducing. That's the number yep. one goal. The number two goal, obviously, is to make sure that you're maximizing yield 
or just, you know, making your tree belt look good, be healthy, whatever. So no, it is not too late. In terms of what you use, that's where it can get a little tricky. And that's why I asked you the question too. And and it matters whether you've got trees around that you want to keep or not. So let's just talk about your ditches first. And I'll, I'll start this by saying buckbrush is a weed that my dad talked to me about first when I was probably, I don't know, 12 years old. And he said, all right, Brian, uh, with regular 2,4-D, we're able to kill all the weeds out in our pasture or ditches. But he said, we got one problem, buckbrush. And he said, all you have to do, Brian, is add a quart of crop oil per acre to your 2,4-D and it'll take the buckbrush out. And I have found him to be true. So you could use your regular 2,4-D, throw a quart of crop oil with it. And most of the time that will do it. That's buckbrush. Uh, if we're yep. talking buckthorn, that is a tougher, uh, let's see, how, how can I say the shrub? And it's more of a woody plant. Uh, 2,4-D right. just flat out is not going to do it on that. So if you have that, then, and even for buck brush, I will just say chaparral would be better than 2,4-D on buck brush and definitely on buck thorn. Uh, so chaparral would be a good choice for out in your ditch. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that over the years have used, let's say, Tordon, for example. Tordon and yep. chaparral can be hard on trees, but especially the Tordon. Tordon is very hard on trees. You have to stay far away from trees. So when we start talking shelter belts, if it's buck brush, I'm going to use 2,4-D out there in the spring and the fall. I worry about it in the middle of the summer unless you can get some Freelex. That's the new 2,4-D that doesn't have all the volatility and drift. So if you can find some of that, great. If it's old 2,4-D that's going to volatilize, you can still spray it out in your trees, but you're going to drop a whole bunch of leaves and you're probably not going to be real happy. Okay. Yeah, now that you say it, it probably is the buckthorn that I'm after, (laughs) I'm thinking. (laughs) Okay. And if it's buckthorn and you're in a shelter belt... That's a that's a tough one. I don't I don't know even for sure what to tell you, but I will say this. Uh, there's a product called Remedy Ultra, and now there's the new version of it that's called Vastland uh, that could be used. And what we used to do a lot of times, like even with Tordon, is we'd cut trees off and then we'd wipe the Tordon on top. Literally, if you wanted to wick them, you wanted to just spot spray your your Vastland or Remedy Ultra, that doesn't have all the soil residual. So you don't have to worry about it washing into the ground and killing the, the roots of the trees. That's what Tordon would do for you. Vastland or Remedy Ultra, basically the same thing. Vastland, like I say, is the new version. Uh, that would be the direction I would go. Just be careful with it out in those shelter belts. But yeah, buckthorn is tough. And by the way, buckthorn hosts soybean aphids. So if you can get rid of some of your buckthorn plants, you will have fewer soybean aphids in your bean fields. Mm-hmm. Okay. All uh, right. Like this fall, after we actually combine them with it, uh, is there any reason you couldn't go out there like the backhoe and go along the edge of the field and, you know, scrape the, basically the crap and the brush and that stuff out of there. Sure. And hopefully burn it. I mean, would that sure. get rid of it too, or is well, it... It's sure going to help. Something. Certainly not yeah. going to hurt. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> right, uh, exactly. It, 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 it sounds like some work to me, but uh, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes you just sometimes you just have to do that. Right, right. Okay, okay. That'll work. Um, like like the, the pasture fences, I mean, yep. is spraying any of that, does that hurt, like... 
beef cows or horses or anything? Or there's nothing that I mentioned here that's going to hurt any of those animals. No. Okay. Now, uh, right, with perfect. yeah, and I mean, you can you can just ask your agronomist or look on the label. It'll tell you maybe a uh, grazing interval or anything like that. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really not too worried about that stuff. A lot of the things that we talk okay. about here in the show are actually quite safe and way safer than the things we used to use years and years ago. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what I kind of figured. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Let's go next to Tom out in Oregon. Hey, Tom, how are you? Doing great. And yourself? Excellent. Here you got a GDU question for us. I was just curious if, uh, depending on day length of corn, if we had a generic idea from emergence to what tasseling would be, if we had an idea of how many rough GDUs that would be on a 100-day corn. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head. My brother Darren probably would, but I'll, I'll say this to you. Um, in, in terms of GDUs, it takes about 100 GDUs, 90 to 100 GDUs to get corn out of the ground. Then it's about 82 GDUs for each leaf stage. So beyond that, though, um, it, it is going to vary some between about, let's call it V3, V5, somewhere in there, once we hit that point, to tassel, things are going to speed up a lot when we get to earlier corns. Things are going to slow down a lot when we get to the later corns. So you're talking 100 day, that's kind of mid-range. Um, I'll try to look that up during the break, and uh, if you just want to keep listening to the show, I'll, I'll talk about it, or you can certainly hang on too. But uh, I'll look that up and see if I can calculate that for 100 day corn and how many GDUs it would take to get to tassel. I hopefully will be able to figure it out. Otherwise, uh, we'll get Darren back on the phone here, and uh, he can probably answer the question. All right. Well, thank you. You bet. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And like I say, if you want to hang on, you certainly can uh, through the break. Uh, I'll hopefully get the answer right after the break. Otherwise, if you just want to keep listening to the show, I will talk about it right away. First thing coming out of our break here. Well, again, it is Farmer Friday. If you would like to call into the show, got just a little bit of time left. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. I have a, a large number of mailbag questions that have come in. I'm going to try to get to those here if I have time yet during the show, but like I say, I'd love to take your phone call as well. Well, stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rose? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean and weed-free his entire field looked. I'm, like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans, like, literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. How much money are you leaving in the bin? Get your grain in ideal condition with the Grain Temp Guard Monitoring System from FarmShop MFG. And with deep preseason discounts on all Grain Temp Guard units, now is the best time to upgrade. Order today at FarmShopMFG.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Just wrapping up our show here on a Farmer Friday. Got a little bit of time left if you want to call in 844-44-AG-PHD. So right before the break, we were talking to Tom from out in Oregon, and he asked this question. 100-day corn, roughly how many GDUs or growing degree units, or many people call them growing degree days, how many GDUs from emergence to tassel? And I said... You know, Tom, I don't know off the top of my head, uh, but I bet I know who does. And so we're bringing my brother Darren back on. He's out of the studio today, but I figured we'd bring Darren back on to see if he's got the answer to this. Darren, do you know what the answer is, roughly? Well, it's going to be roughly 1,200, and this is something that you'll see. A lot of the companies will will go from emergence to mid-pollination and, and call that rating for 100-day corn somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,200 GDUs. That's based on 86 for a high, uh, for the highest high, 50 for the lowest low, and dividing by 50, uh, or I'm sorry, and using 50 as that base factor. Now, when you look at 105-day corn, it's not that terrible much difference. You're probably looking at 1,250 to 1,350, so it's not a lot different. But then you look at the difference going to black layer with that 100-day corn, you're looking at 2,400 to 2,500 GDUs to get all the way through. 105-day um, corn, just a little bit longer, 2,600, maybe 2,700. Yeah, and the other thing that I was mentioning, and I probably wasn't super clear on this, but from emergence, well, basically from planting all the way to about V3, we find that almost all hybrids are about the same. From tassel, 
two black layer, there's not a tremendous amount of difference. But where we see the vast majority of the difference from early corn to late corn is that V3 up through tassel or silking in that time. That's when the, the shorter corn varieties, the uh, shorter day corn varieties, they really speed things up. It does not take them nearly as many days to go from V3 to tassel as it does a, let's say, 110-day corn to go from V3 to tassel. All right, uh, let's jump back into the Ag PhD mailbag here. Next question that we had, let's see, uh, I don't have a name on this, but they said, uh, you guys are talking about Enlist 1, don't mix Power Max Roundup and Enlist 1 together at the same time or you will have troubles. Um, look, we just talked about this on the, uh, the other day on the show, I believe, but I you can do it. We have done it on our farm for several years, as a matter of fact. But one of the big well, not keys... not mixing them at the exact same time. Exactly. That's, that could be the key here. Now, if you're putting them in at the same time, that's a problem. And also, if you run one through a cone inductor, you've got to rinse the enlist out of that cone inductor before you put the Roundup in, or you may have some issues right there when you have pure product touching pure product. Yes, and so he did use the words at the same time. So technically, yes, you're right. Uh, you can mix them in the same time tank and you can spray them together at the same time but you can't mix them together and that's the that that's really the big thing so what we're typically talking about is getting that sprayer mostly full of water we want to get the enlist one in um, obviously even before that if you have let's say ammonium sulfate you're putting in get that done and then throw the roundup in at the very end and usually it ends up going okay now, one other thing that I would throw out there, if you want to try any, let's say, adjustment for some of your hard water ions, if you got really hard water, there's a product we use called WaterRite that helps tie up some of the excess calcium and magnesium in the water. Uh, you know, things like that can help sometimes, but more than anything, it's just make sure there's a lot of water there. Make sure that you aren't putting Roundup and Enlist One directly in contact with each other in the pure forms. All right. Uh, good comment, though. Uh, next one comes from Jimmy. He says, I've got a one-gallon hand pump. I, I've heard everything from throwing one ounce of 2,4-D in to two and a half ounces of 2,4-D in per gallon. Which is it? All right. Uh, Jimmy, if you're spraying around your yard, I'll, I'll just say this. It depends tremendously on how fast you're moving. So we can't tell you exactly. What we're always going to tell yeah, you is I, I to like follow to the put label. Four ounces. And Jimmy, I, I like to put four ounces in. And I like that's, to put that's my thing because right. I want to go fast. And I like to put about twelve ounces in because I go even faster. So I also would encourage you to think a little bit about the concentration. So if it's one ounce per one per gallon of water, that's one to 128. That is a that's a that that's not a lot. It's very very diluted. Quite frankly, I don't know if it's even going to work very well because a lot of plants, especially if they're small, they can only hold so much on the leaves. And if those droplets aren't concentrated, you're not going to be able to deliver a lethal dose. So I got to be honest, I've never recommended as low as one ounce of 2,4-D per gallon of water. I think that's, in my opinion, way too low. I'd say three ounces is a bare minimum. And I, yeah, I'm way up at 12 ounces or sometimes even higher, but it all depends on how fast you're going to walk. 
All right, next it one. It also Cal- depends on what form of 2,4-D you've got too, Brian. And well, I sure. say this, if you're getting some diluted 2,4-D at a hardware store, <laughs> you're probably going to need to be a higher rate. <laughs> Much. If you're getting very concentrated stuff from a farm supply dealer that deals in herbicides, then it's probably about the rates we're talking. Yep, yep. All right, next one comes from Wes in Iowa who says, Hi, guys, I'm planning to spread and incorporate turkey litter this fall. How much of the nitrogen might be available for the first crop year? Would spring application be any different? I'm thinking of applying to corn stalks with soybeans to follow rather than a head of corn. I've got CEC in the upper teens, organic matter about 3%. Would appreciate any guidance. All right, so Wes, here's the first thing that I'll tell you. We don't know. I mean, if if we gave you an answer as to how much nitrogen might be available the first year and then the second year, we're just strictly guessing. I don't like to guess. I like answers. I like data. And so what I would do is I would send that turkey litter in for analysis. That's what we do when we spread any litter. And they'll tell you roughly how much nitrogen's in there and roughly how much nitrogen's going to come available in year one, assuming a normal year. The hotter you are, the sooner the nitrogen's going to come available. The colder you are, the longer it's going to take. But you asked about spring application versus fall. Well, it all depends. I mean, there's a broad definition of spring versus fall. For example, technically, September 21st is fall. If you're going to put it on September 21st, that's whole different than if you put it on November 21st. So ideally, you'd want to put it on shortly before freeze up. And if you do that, then it's really not going to matter if you put it on in the fall or in the spring, if you do it in the spring early. So you see where I'm going with that. So here again, it's it's totally up to you and how you handle things in your operation. In terms of putting nitrogen or uh, turkey litter on in front of soybeans, just don't do a whole lot would be my advice. You got to be careful with soybeans because they don't need crazy amounts of nitrogen. So you're kind of wasting it a little bit if you put on too much. But if you're only putting a little bit of turkey litter on, I mean, that's fine. We've done some of that. Put on manure before soybeans. There's no problem with that. I just don't want to get real carried away. Any other comments on that, Darren? I guess No, I think oh. that's fair. I think that's fair. It, it, it's one of those things where if you're counting on manure to carry the full load for you, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you're utilizing it in conjunction with using some commercial fertilizer and then doing some testing through the air, that's the best way to go. Uh, next one comes from Atlanta, who says, you guys are talking about controlling grasshoppers in a recent show. Were you talking about a pyrethroid? I've never used a pyrethroid before. What is that? Well, these there there is a chemical family that is the pyrethroids that comes from the chrysanthemum flower. There are many products that are in that pyrethroid family, and they're quite safe to humans and animals and they're very specific to certain insects. Now, as I say that, just like some people are allergic to flowers, some people are going to be allergic to pyrethroids. Typically, you might some people will get a rash, just for example. It's nothing that's going to kill you, but nevertheless, you always want to use your personal protective equipment and use some care. With grasshoppers, there was a product that was way better on them years ago called Furidan. We don't have that anymore. So ideally, we want to get the grasshoppers when they're relatively small. By the time they get wings, they're adults and they're much tougher to kill. So you always want to use the full rate of a pyrethroid. And like I say, there are a lot of them out there. Brigade, 
Warrior, Serpent, Kendo. I mean, just so many of them out there. But always use the highest labeled rate because grasshoppers are difficult to control at all stages. But obviously, again, much tougher once they get wings and they're adults. Uh, but yeah, these are really good products. Pretty safe to humans and livestock. So we feel great about using pyrethroids to control grasshoppers. All right. Well, before we go, I just want to say thanks a lot to our production staff. Thanks to our guests today or anybody who called or wrote in with questions. Really appreciate you. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.